Welcome back, listeners, to The Bible Never Said That, a podcast where we talk about popular sayings that make their way through culture and churches, even though they are theologically unsound. My name is Shara Donahue, and today we are exploring a saying we often grab onto when the weight of knowledge presses in. Ignorance is bliss. Now, when I was young, I felt particularly drawn to the saying. It wasn't that I wanted to be ignorant. It was just that I had figured out that with knowledge came responsibility, and I wasn't quite ready to give up the innocent ignorance of youth. But a lack of knowing can lead directly to evil. Judges 2.10 clearly illustrates this when it offers the caution that must be taken when handling what we know and don't know. It warns, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Yikes. But I've been there. I remember reading a poem to one of my high school teachers that I wrote titled Illusions. And it was a desperate plea that my illusions not be taken away. She promptly did that thing teachers do where they both encourage your efforts but offer a warning. If I had only listened then, (sighs) the damage I inflicted on my own heart by living in illusions took years, maybe even decades to heal from. My hold to bliss through ignorance led to destruction. For that is a path of fools. Now, there is a slight difference between ignorance and foolishness. For many times, a fool knows what is right and doesn't choose it. But the ignorant simply doesn't know. However, ignorance does not remove responsibility for our decisions. At best, it just delays the responsibility If we look at Leviticus 5.17, we see that if anyone sins and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commands, even though they do not know it, they are guilty and will be held responsible. I'm going to say it clearly. Ignorance does not keep us from the responsibility that comes with knowledge. This word ignorance comes from the same root word as ignore. And this ignoring means we are actively choosing not to see and understand. Paul warns in Romans 1.20 that, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Creation demands that we must consider God, and when we consider God, we see that knowledge is necessary. Proverbs 15.14 says, The discerning heart seeks knowledge, but the mouth of a fool feeds on folly. And Proverbs 1.7 reminds us, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And Proverbs has plenty of other verses that encourage us to heed knowledge gain knowledge, and walk in wisdom if we don't want to be a fool. Well, I was certainly one who played the fool back then. As Martin Luther King Jr. says, nothing in all the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. 
I turned a blind eye to red flags in relationships. I fought against warnings from others, and I allowed myself to surrender to things a fallen world would understand. But I had this sneaking suspicion that God had other ideas. I really had no clue what God truly said about much. Because I didn't see the need to read the Bible. I thought it was dated and old. It wasn't until I submitted to Jesus as Lord of my life that I finally was interested in knowing more about who he was. How quickly I saw how much life I missed out on for so long just because I chose not to open my Bible and know God for myself. There is no greater resource to help us understand the mysteries of God and his desires for people than the Bible. The Holy Spirit worked through Moses, David, prophets, and the apostles to contribute to the collection of 66 books that make up the good book. Many writers, but one author. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 affirms this reality. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Not only is the Bible breathed out by God, but it was given to us so that when our finite minds cannot make sense of this world around us, we have a solid bedrock of truth to steady our hearts and our minds. God's enemy, Satan, the deceiver, would love for us to believe that the Bible is inaccessible to us and difficult to understand, or that it will just ruin the way of life we've become accustomed to. Our enemy would love for us to remain ignorant in the ways of God in self-imposed torture and have us call it bliss. While there may be challenges and questions that arise as we study God's word, there is nothing tranquil about being without its truth as a faithful guide. Now, granted, not everyone plays the role of the fool like I did, but many of us choose ignorance in certain areas, daily hoping it will protect our peace, our way of life. I am by no means saying that we should be experts in everything. There's no time for being an expert in everything. But there are many things that we should set our minds to and many things we should not set our minds to. But I will say it is always a mistake to remain ignorant about the word of God. And we should seek it out with teachable hearts. The good news is there are a lot of ways to do that. We can read for ourselves, and I have some tips for you coming up. We can listen to the word, and we can seek out those who have been faithfully walking with Christ for instruction and even correction if need be. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, 
social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Today, as kind of our case study, we're going to look at the example of Apollos. Now, Apollos began to minister with what he had, which I would encourage believers to do. God will use whatever you give him. But his ignorance kept him from being as effective as he could be for the kingdom of God. So let's take a look in Acts 18, starting at verse 18, and see what was going on with him. And we do get a little background about what Paul is doing at this time, because it introduces us to Priscilla and Aquila, who are important for this piece of scripture. So, the scriptures say, Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Centre because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Meanwhile, here we get to Apollos. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. All right, so let's recap that real quick. Priscilla and her husband Aquila met and traveled with Paul for a time, but when their paths diverged, they continued to share the message of Jesus wherever they went. Boom! That is the way to go, folks. Though they wished Paul could have stayed with them, the couple soon crossed paths with Apollos, who was sharing the scriptures and teaching about Jesus with zeal and knowledge about many things, but he was willing to meet with Priscilla and Aquila, who explained to him the way of God more adequately. Their instruction to Apollos helped him to continue to grow in fruitfulness. He was doing great things, but God interrupted his ignorance so that more truth could be known, and he became an important leader for the early church. Apollos knew a lot. He was a learned man, but there was still more for him to know. He did not remain ignorant to what he had not yet discovered. He continued to seek out the heart of Christ. Now, the Bible is waiting to be explored. And if I'm going to tell you to read the thing, I also plan on giving you some tips for your voyage into its deep truths. First, I know I'm telling you to gain the knowledge 
the scriptures offer, but allow your main motivation and drive to always be that you are reading to know God, to know God, not just know about him, because it is one thing to be ignorant of his ways and another to ignore God himself. Going to scripture for guidance or comfort or assurance in the midst of trials is the right place for our souls to find what is needed most. God calls us to spend time with them, to be in his presence, and to build our one-on-one relationship by listening to his voice, most clearly given through his word. We are unbelievably fortunate to be able to have unhindered access to the living God and his word. He is a king who reigns supremely, eternally, and welcomes us into his throne room unreservedly. Listen, that we would hesitate to walk into his presence and instead abandon ourselves to the outer courts of curiosity is like being told we've inherited a mansion and being like, I'm cool, I'm just going to hang out here in the gardens. Without making the effort to explore the riches of our inheritance through Christ, we can settle for a weak and immature faith, resulting in nothing short of tragedy. God already knows and loves us, and he is willing to be known if we simply seek him. When we let the fear of limited comprehension keep us from learning of God's character, we also fail to grow in trusting him. Why will we place our loved ones, careers, and big life decisions into the hands of someone we barely know? If we let the desire to know God drive us to the word, the discipline will become a delight and the presence of God will minister to our souls and we will begin to know him as a father who loves his children. My next suggestion is that we seek to understand the whole of scripture. I know it sounds like a big ask, but it's not the daunting task you might think. If you want to go deeper, you must also go wider, cover to cover. Now, I may have dropped this tip before, but if I did, I'm saying again, it's that helpful. When I was a new Christian, one of the most constructive things I did was pick up a children's Bible. I did this after hearing a sermon about Abraham and not having a clue about who he was. I went to my mom's bookshelf, plucked that thing right off, and read the whole thing in one sitting. And even though I'm pretty sure it was intended for four-year-olds, I walked away from that reading knowing who Abraham, Moses, Elijah, Peter, and Paul were. And it took an hour at most. The Old and New Testaments work together to show the beauty of creation's beginning, the tragedy of humanity's fall into sin, the forecasting and fulfillment of prophecies, the joy of the long-awaited Messiah's entrance into human history, the birth of the church, and the great hope of Jesus' glorious return. It takes the whole Bible to bring the whole message of God and point us unmistakably to Jesus as a Savior and Redeemer of every nation, tribe, era, and culture. If we read the Bible by curated topic or only read certain sections, we miss so much. Like only seeing the homes below the starry night of Vincent van Gogh's masterpiece. It's okay to start small, but eventually we must grow to read the whole Bible if we hope to know and understand the whole story. When we drink deeply from the well of God's word, we see Jesus is the meta-narrative, 
which is just a fancy word for the big story. He isn't only in the Gospels, but he's present at creation. He appears as the angel of the Lord before he arrives as a baby in the manger, and he declares victory in the end. Now that we have covered how important it is to have an understanding of the whole story in order to uncover profound and deep truths, we must also take our time to savor the richness of what scripture offers. We can spend a lot of time with one verse and still never fully grasp the entire weight of truth it presents, but still walk away with knowledge, comfort, and deep conviction. Sometimes we need some variety. For example, in my own life, my personal reading for the last two years has been reading the Bible chronologically from cover to cover. But this year, my intention is to dive deep into the Psalms for my own personal study. This is not the reading I will do to prepare for classes, writing, or even this podcast. But this is the reading I do to meet with God. It is but a section of the scriptures, but it's an intimate one, more intensely by slowing down and looking for as many observations as I can about one section of scripture at a time. When we do this, not only are we likely to come away with a more informed interpretation, but we also realize the great truth that no matter where we are in our walk with Christ, there is always more to discover. This shouldn't be a discouragement, but an exciting reassurance to know we will never know it all this side of heaven. That relieves any temptation to panic because we stop reaching for an impossible goal and we let ourselves just rest in the words before us. We can be patient with our progress, but we cannot totter in ignorance. This next step I know comes from the teacher in me, but stay with me when I say we should analyze the biblical passages as literature. We can be tempted to pluck verses from their context and apply them where convenient, but we don't get to see the major themes God is trying to point us to if we don't look for the larger themes that emerge from the portions of the text, especially when they seem to have a specific focus. For example, earlier we talked about the book of Judges. The whole book of Judges points to the havoc that unfolds upon a people insistent on doing what is right in their own eyes. We can learn from both the stories of the wise and the foolish in the book, but by noticing the overarching theme, we come away with even more. The Bible carries tales in different literary forms with varying intentions behind them. Much of the New Testament is made up of the letters to the churches and people. The Psalms are songs and poetry. Moses made sure the Old Testament was filled with the history that tells us of God's first interactions with humanity. By noticing structure, themes, and even grammatical choices, we see more of the message. These literary elements act as the body language of the holy words. It is also valuable to take the time to share with others what you are learning. As we saw in the story of Apollos, Priscilla, and Aquila, by bringing your study of the Bible into the context of community, you greatly enhance your ability to retain what you have learned. This doesn't mean you have to teach a Bible study, but it does mean sharing your faith with others in whatever context you find yourself in. 
Sharing the good news was commanded by Jesus, and he has all authority in heaven and on earth. So we should just, we should do what he says. <laughs> Sharing what you've learned will help you to increase your own understanding, as well as bring knowledge to others. And that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ is the greatest knowledge anyone can gain. And finally, I would encourage you to check your motivations and go to God in prayer as you read. If you are looking for God to confirm your ways when you read the Bible, you are heading down a path of frustration. We must acknowledge that God's ways are not our ways, or our hearts will not humbly come to the Word ready to be taught. When we open the scriptures and seek them to make us more like Christ, we will find our will doesn't always align with His. When the question presents itself, am I right or is God right? We must acknowledge that only one of these options is someone who is never wrong. We are the fallible ones. And God, well, God, as Deuteronomy 32.4 tells us, is the rock. His works are perfect and all His ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is He. If you are a believer in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit within you, and you could not find a greater teacher, counselor, or giver of wisdom. So before you begin your study, ask for His instruction through prayer. In 1 John 5.14, we have this promise. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. We can be confident that seeking a deeper understanding of the Bible is within His will for us. But we can't just ask, we also need to listen. There will always be more to find as we explore the Word of God. As Jesus said in John 6, 63, The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. We cannot forget that when we read the Bible, we are interacting with a holy being, the holiest of beings. Reading the Word of God is not an independent activity. God is always with you. Let Him be your guide and you will realize that even if you struggle to find your way with Him, you will never be lost. With Him, you will never be stuck in ignorance. So let's pray for Him to teach us. Jesus, help us to know you through your word. We do not want to be satisfied with ignorance when it comes to the things of God. We want to see your beauty. We want to see your power. And we want to see your love rule in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Guide us through your spirit and help us to walk in knowledge and wisdom as we seek you every day of our life. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, I know I went a little bit longer today, but I get pretty passionate when it comes to talking about studying the Bible. So thank you for seeking knowledge with me today. The resources, books, and articles referred to in this podcast can be found in the show notes at lifeaudio.com slash podcast or on iTunes. And if you're over in the notes, we'd love if you would rate and review this podcast so others can find us. Until next time, may you seek the abundant life Jesus died to give and live in the truth 
that sets people free. Looking for ways to stay positive? Brighten your day with the free story behind podcast. Hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy, love, and hope. Listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for Story Behind wherever you get your podcasts.